Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And because I know that there are a lot of parents and grandparents who listen to this podcast, and because I myself am a mom, I'm talking with my friend Michelle, who's also a mom, about raising kids with less sugar. This is a recording of a Facebook Live we did on the Life After Sugar Facebook page a few weeks ago. And this week's episode of the Life After Sugar podcast is brought to you by the After Sugar Club, where you'll get all the resources you need to help you make those small but powerful mindset shifts and get guidance step-by-step on your personal path to feeling free from sugar so that you can get to a place where you don't even want it, need it or miss sugar anymore. You'll be part of a friendly, encouraging community of health-conscious people just like you. Most of us are also intermittent fasters, but not all of us. There's a place for everyone. You can sign up at aftersugarclub.com and click on the green button, join the club. You can also find lots of free resources on the Life After Sugar YouTube channel, on the Life After Sugar Facebook page, and come and subscribe to my Instagram, which is at mylifeaftersugar, where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, so that you can see that it is totally possible to live an active, happy and fun life even if you don't eat sugar. All right, here's my chat with Michelle about raising kids with less sugar. Oh, so happy to be with you. And today we're going to be talking about raising kids with less sugar. I am so excited. We're not moms. No, we don't have that problem at all. (laughs) Yeah, and we're going to give some um, practical day-to-day advice about not taking away all our love and caring for our kids, but actually giving them what they really need and not being perfect. Are you perfect as a mom? Uh, absolutely not. No, oh, no sure. way. <laughs> in no way, shape or form. No, I'm I think we should all embrace that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I wrote this morning to the people on my mailing list who get, you know, my, my emails a couple of times a week. And I told them this story about when I was on the PTA at my daughter's primary school, Uh so the Parent Teachers Association, and we were talking, we were brainstorming, it was several years ago, we were brainstorming with the school principal about ways to save money, you know, public education. And um, we were, I, I offered some ideas about other things than candies and sweets and sugar uh-huh. to, um, to give the kids as rewards and, you know, okay. end yeah. of year and Christmas and stuff. And she said to me, we can't take away sugar from the kids. We just can't. Like, it's cruel. 
you know? And I was like, excuse me? And it, I, it was like, I was speechless. I was stunned. That's interesting. She wasn't even open to discussing alternatives for sugar. Right. She thought it would be synonymous with taking away love and caring and, and everything that, you know, good that we want to give them. And I, the next day I stepped down. Not because we didn't agree. I don't care if people agree with me or not. I'm fine having sure. the discussion. But the point was, she wasn't even open. She wasn't open-minded. Exactly. Not even yeah. open to discussing right. the possibility of. Sure. And I'm like, I'm not going to talk to someone like that. No, I, I don't blame you. And, you know, I don't deal with school lunches and everything like that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm ha I struggle you know, I struggle. I think a lot of moms do with just once kids taste it, <laughs> it's like, I mean, I hate to compare it to a drug, but it's kind of, it kind of has the same effect over time. Um, and I can definitely tell a difference when I'm having days where I'm much more in tune with their sugar intake. Uh, for example, on a day where I wouldn't really be in tune with somebody's sugar intake in my house would be like a birthday or like, you know, a day that a special like, occasion day or something. And you you can totally I have little kids. And so their behavior is like, you know, night and day, the days I'm paying attention and the days I'm not. Um, yeah. Because you're in charge. No, no judgment or anything. It's just yeah. a fact that we are in charge of as course. parents. Yeah, of, of what comes into the house and what we give them to eat. Absolutely. And so that is what I'm trying to change in my house because I, I think I do a pretty good job by leading by example. I eat pretty well, uh, but they want nothing to do with anything that I'm eating ever. And they look at me like I have eight heads. Because <laughs> you were saying that your kids are picky eaters, right? Oh, they're the pickiest eaters in this side of the hemisphere there they are so what bad. does that mean in in everyday fat you know everyday life what does that mean for you that they're picky it, it means that I'm making two dinners usually you know to accommodate them um it means that you know every day they expect a treat or a dessert can I have dessert why like yeah. I don't know when I was a kid it was like, I didn't really have dessert on unless it was like a, a weekend, maybe like a, a Saturday night out with the family or like, you know, it wasn't an everyday occurrence. And I feel kids these days, and it's not just my kids, because I, I have a lot of friends with the same age. And it's a lot of similarities. After after dinner every day, they want a dessert. And I'm like, and it, sometimes they'll ask after lunch. And I'm like, eh? like, you've got to be kidding me right now. And you know, some days I give in and others I don't. Um, I think that it's a balancing act. But like you were saying before, coming up with alternatives is a great, great idea. And yeah. I'm sorry that person never heard you out. Right, right. And so that's what I wanted us to talk about today. And Because that's the thing. If it was just a question of reducing sugar with no sort of emotional thing behind it, it wouldn't be a problem. But the... I think one of the challenges is how do we reduce sugar and not have the kids feel like we're punishing them or, you know, have yeah. any kind of negative uh, connotation behind it. 
And also, as parents, how do we make sure that they actually eat in a day? Exactly. You know, and that we're not enabling them in their pickiness or we're not, uh, you know, sometimes it's not just that they decide to be picky. Sometimes they are, you know, they've got either food allergies or intolerances or sometimes it's just like a habit. You know, as you were saying, they yeah. expect the dessert. Uh -huh. And so what do we do to kind of dial back that automatic habit or expectation? Yeah, we're going to look at some alternatives. I can tell you a little bit about what I did. Uh, my my child, my daughter was seven when I first cut sugar and flour. And okay, so my oldest is seven now. So I'm at the point now with his behavior that I'm very cognitive about what's happening with him. And I see a definite difference and I want to make a huge change for him. But to make a huge change for a seven-year-old, what is that like? Yeah. Yeah. And then how about smaller changes rather than one big, huge change all at once? That's what I'm thinking. That's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking. So I guess a good question for you, Netta, is how did you start that process? The, how I started that process was to only focus on myself. First of all, as a role model, without trying to be perfect, I, yeah. I don't want to be perfect and, yeah. and, you know, I have no interest in that. But sure. to focus on myself as a role model, because our kids, especially our daughters, but our kids, you know, it's like they have, they watch us 24-7. You know, whatever we say is not half as powerful as what we actually do. Of course. So, you know, I concentrated on not just what I was eating or when I was eating, but also how I talked about my body, mm -hmm. especially because I have a daughter. And so, uh, you know, I would be like, mm, you know, and it was all, it wasn't fake. It was all true. I was like, mm, this is delicious. This is wonderful. Whatever the food was, not just for certain types of food, mm -hmm. not just for salads, whatever. And I'm not a big salad eater anyway, mm -hmm. but it's like this positive, she could see that I was enjoying all of my food uh -huh. all of the time and you know it was like I wasn't pretending that this type of food deserves um, more attention than this other type of food and and she could see that I was also enjoying my meals without having a dessert afterwards which I'd already I'd always done I'd uh -huh. always eaten dessert uh -huh. sometimes too <laughs> yeah I mean yeah, I, I used to be the same way. I, I don't anymore. It's interesting because we have an interesting dynamic here in our house. I'm not really a dessert eater anymore. I over the course of losing weight through fasting, I've lost and lost my sweet tooth for the most part. Um, I still eat sometimes, but my husband every day, you know, he wants something sweet in his mouth every day. He's the snacker. He's, you know, so they're watching him too. It's not just me. So yeah. it's like, I guess in, in, our, in my situation, I'm just having trouble with the balancing act of changing his mindset. I'm working on it because he, he needs to, to lose a good, you know, 30 pounds. And it, for him, it, it starts with sugar. Right. Yes. It's so, I would say it's much more difficult to change an adult's mindset than a child's. 100%. You know, and sometimes I'm like, I mean, I have not necessarily the same issue with my husband because he was, he was already sugar-free when I first met him 20 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I Amazing. was like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you eating dessert? And he was like, I just don't want to. I don't He's like that. sweet like, guy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, mind blown. But there's other things, you know, there's other yeah. habits and whatnot. But basically, 
personally, I let it go. I'm not here to educate or convince. I'm here to educate, right. but not to convince anyone, least of all my husband. Least yeah. of all, you know, people listening here and listening to my podcast, you know, it's like it's kind of like our it's like the story I told of the school principal. Well, we can have a dialogue or a conversation once you're already on board, but I'm not here to get you on board. It's just such a lot of energy. It's oh. too much energy. I feel honestly, uh, it, it's it's not worth it. It's just yeah. not worth it. Um, I so agree. It, somebody's so one-sided. You know, because one of the arguments that they said to me at the school was, we are not here to tell parents how to raise or feed their children, which I agree with. And at the same time, I'm like, but, you know, that's fine. You know, I, I don't judge what they have for their school lunch. And, you know, everyone is free to do and eat whatever they like. I'm just proposing alternatives. And that's not even acceptable to talk about. What is that? You know, that's that's kind of um, see, I'm in, I'm in the United States and you're in Canada. And I feel like, I don't know, I, I just assumed that Canada was more progressive than that with food, but it kind of sounds like American schools, to be honest. I, I tell mean, you, I, I think open-minded people and closed-minded people are around the globe. There absolutely. Are no I'm learning that one by the day. Yeah, yeah. By the day. And I, I was like giving... The, our brainstorm with the school principal was about saving money. So I was giving ideas that were less expensive than the candies and the sweets and, and the hot chocolates and the whatever. And so I was like, because these days you can't necessarily easily give a hug to kids. It's like become a big deal now. Yeah. So I was like, well, how about a high five? That costs yeah. nothing. How about a game, like a physical game? You don't even have to buy a board game. It Dance can be party. Fun. Yeah, you know, like, like running around, going outside, that's completely free. How about, um, you know, like um, giving stickers? Okay, your stickers are not completely free, but and they're not necessarily super for the planet, you know, but like I'm just giving some alternatives, you yeah. know, to A, food, and B, sugar. And it was like, what's wrong with those ideas? Like, so I'm curious as to what, what, what were your, some of your alternative to what they were giving the kids in school as far as sugar goes did you give any kind of substitutes like we can do this instead of that and it's a much healthier option yeah I, that was that was the whole point I said well we can get to we can play games with them we can give them a high five mm -hmm. we can tell stories and spend time with them I'm not even oh. talking about food sure so yeah. you're saying that instead of giving them food as rewards which I think it really kind of starts with that. The more and more I look at this deeply and think about it, it starts with how you treat treat it. You know, is it is it a reward or is it or is it just food? Right. I mean, you know, I'm guilty of it. You yeah. know, I'm yeah, guilty of it. I'm trying. I'm trying to step away from it. Um, anybody with a seven and a five year old could probably relate. Yeah. Um, but I don't want them to grow up and think that food is a reward or to reward yourself with food, because honestly, you know, it's just not. It's just food. It's sustenance. And you should enjoy but, it. Yeah. And I see it, you know, as one of the great joys in life is food 
good food, delicious food, you know, I don't see it just as fuel, because I think it's way more than that. Plus, there's the whole social aspect to it. You know, it's a way to bring people together and to enjoy a social occasion. So, you know, I recognize that food is way more than just fuel, right? Just sustenance, for me, at least. It can be. It's celebration. It's cultural. Exactly. Um, I think, you know, and I think where we sort of get into a slightly more unhealthy relationship with food is when we use it as some kind of emotional crutch. When we tell our kids or when they understand from our our words or our behavior my love is conditional on this type of food right so if it's like if you finished your meal then you get to have the dessert so you've mm -hmm. done something good and then you get this type of reward mm -hmm. and in a way for me it, now that I have some distance from that it's kind of sending the message that a the meal is not in and of itself a rewarding experience uh -huh. because it's just being used as a stepping stone to the real thing and the real thing we're just waiting the for the dessert yeah right yeah and I used to see food like that as well I was just going through the motions till I could get to the good bit uh -huh. and and now that I haven't eaten sugar for so long it's like I'm more more mindful about the good bit being right now right it's not You're more present yeah yeah, and it doesn't have to taste sweet, you know. So imagine so, how we can change our kids' attitudes and behaviors and mindset. Yeah, and it's like it's almost changes. like we believe that it's impossible for kids to be mindful or to appreciate the now or to appreciate what isn't necessarily sweet. But kids learn what we teach them. I mean, they're so impressionable and it's so much easier to change a kid's mind. I'd say kids are probably a lot more mindful than adults in some ways. Definitely. I mean, if you think about it, so to get them to make this huge change all at once, is it um, unreasonable? Kind of all at once. I think, I think, but I think small steps. Yeah, small steps, because mm -hmm. we're all I think it's unreasonable for most of us as adults to to entertain like a huge, massive change all at once. And expecting that from our kids is a bit unrealistic in my opinion in my experience absolutely and I think that's where we at least for me that's why I fail so many times is because I decide oh well I'm just going to cut out all sugar and so I try to withhold it from them instead of just making small changes like right. for example instead of buying cookies now I'm just trying to home make them so I can control what goes in and so I'm slowly trying to change the type of sugar I use. So they're not really noticing these things. And they actually enjoy the homemade stuff much better than they enjoy store-bought. So I know that's not exactly where I want to be, but it's a lot better. Yeah, it's on the way. It's on the way. And it's, it's less painful as a change for them and for you. And, you know, it's change is not going to be sustainable if you feel that it's going against your sort of natural personality, I think, or your your everyday habits. You know, yeah. it just feels like a big deal. And but I just wanted to say, you know, for you, Michelle, that I think it's a great idea to go step by step. Yeah, you know, absolutely. now you're in, you're making the cookies yourself. Gradually, you can reduce the amount of sugar and gradually, you know, it's like, oh, every other day. And then every 
two days, you know? Right. And then it and just becomes not- a weekend. That's what I would like for it to be is that like, okay, it's Saturday night. Like tonight is the night we're going to go have ice cream or whatever it is, you know, um, instead of an everyday occurrence. And this way we change the mindset. Totally. Totally. Healthy lunch ideas. Do you have any great healthy lunch ideas? Yeah. So um, it's funny because um, when my kid, when I first cut sugar, my daughter was in primary school, what you guys call elementary school, I think. I'm not sure. Um, So she was seven, eight. Uh And um, I, she was going to someone who, someone's house who received children and made their lunch for, for them. And At one point, she said to me, Mommy, next year, can you make my lunches? Because I don't want to eat her food anymore. Because <laughs> it was like, she said, like, every Friday, it was like hot dogs or pizza and that. And she and my yeah. own kid was like, I just don't want to eat that stuff. She anymore. wasn't into it. Yeah, I, I wasn't telling her it's bad or anything uh-huh. like that. She was just not not having it at home that much and then she's just like lost the taste for it Mm -hmm. and even she like seven eight years old could tell you know she has more energy and better concentration when she wasn't eating non-nutritious foods I wasn't drilling it into her she just came up with with this realization Mm -hmm. so that's what I'm saying even young kids they're smarter than we think so healthy lunch uh, ideas um, I give her unprocessed proteins so eggs um and with a cooler bag so either leftovers with meat from the night before um like chicken or sometimes it's cold sometimes i give her a thermos so i chicken you know i put it in hot and she can eat it hot because because during covid when she was a bit older at high school because they couldn't heat up their lunches so Mm. i I got her a thermos flask so any kind of unprocessed protein um and Sometimes I just cut up a few veggies. She likes cucumber. Um, she kind of goes in phases. She's yeah. into cucumbers now before she was into bell peppers. So I just cut them up and throw them in. And um, that that's pretty much it. It's basically unprocessed protein and veggies. And um, cut up fruit maybe. Or sometimes she's like, yeah, I don't need anything after I'm full. After you've given me the lunch that's it that's That's great I I wish to move to that kind of healthy lunch um my my kids would if I sent them with something like that they just wouldn't need it at this point but you know I try to send them with a a sandwich and stuff but the thing is is they eat like one thing (laughs) so I don't have the choice of um school lunch so whatever I make is what they eat for the day with my older one who's the absolute most picky eater in the, the world he actually likes hummus a lot, just plain hummus. Um, it's, you know, I found some very minimally processed hummus that are in like these little lunch containers and he loves them with his lunch. Um, and that's actually gotten him, his digestive system kind of back on track because uh, he struggles because he doesn't eat enough fiber. Like he just refuses it. I shove it in it. I give it to him every day. You know, yeah. he just, no. Just repeat. Yeah, it's really difficult because I remember watching a movie called um, The Magic Pill that's been taken off now because it's controversial about the keto diet. And I'm not, I'm not keto, but I'm just saying what what I remember from that movie is that there was um, a, a, a young girl. She was about four, and I think she was on the aut- you know she was on autistic on spectrum, on spectrum yeah. and yeah. she refused. Like when she was just eating beige food. 
and her symptoms were getting worse. And then the parents were advised to give her real foods, you know, um, not just high fat keto foods, but real foods. And of course, she refused to eat them for the wow. first like two, if not three days. And the parents were freaking out. What it she's like, what's going to happen to her? She's not eating. And the the like the, you know, health professional was like, she won't starve herself. You know, she can handle a couple of days and at, and at some point she will kind of come and eat real food. It's like you got to hang in there. And I'm not t I'm not saying in any way that you've got to starve your kid or anything like that. No, but you just I'm have just to stay firm. Yeah. As parents, we're like we freak out, even as intermittent fasters ourselves, we still freak out if our kid is not eating a meal. And, and you know, kids need that nutrition. Sure. You yes, know, but um, my child went through a stage where she didn't eat any of her lunch and she was slightly older. She was 12. And I had yeah. to sort of just say to myself, it's a phase. And I knew that she was getting a really nutritious breakfast and a really nutritious dinner. And that stopped me freaking out. And she came back to it. Didn't last that long. I had a similar experience with my son. He's having some digestive issues, which I will almost bet my money on because I'm going to have him, you know, checked out. But I, I just bet he needs to clean up his diet and, and his gut needs to be balanced. However, he doesn't want breakfast. Uh, he went through this phase where he just he felt ill in the morning. He didn't want breakfast. He didn't want it. And I'm like, I'm not going to push it on him. So what he can, you know, get sick after and feel rotten going to school. He just doesn't want it. He eats lunch at 1040. I mean, that's pretty early. I yeah. put extra food in his lunch pack. I give him, you know, extra. I think I was giving him an extra sandwich at the time. He's he's a boy, so he loves food. But yeah, I he I just didn't push it on him. And now magic, his stomach's feeling better, and uh, now he wants breakfast again. It was a phase. Yeah, it it and kids have a phase of hunger, you know, phases of hunger. Sometimes they're hungrier when they're in a growth spurt and other times they're not. And I've only got one child, but I've sort of learned to go with the flow with her levels of hunger. And she it's can different. eat more than her dad when she's in a growth spurt. Oh, you know? yeah. She, you know? Just My five-year-old is having a growth spurt right now, and I cannot keep up with this child. Yeah. And he's very open-minded. He loves what I eat. He's like, mommy, I want some of your yogurt, which I eat like full fat, plain Greek yogurt and, you know, with berries. He loves it. Loves it. Yeah. Um, but he'll just keep eating all day. Yeah. And my, my daughter, for you know, if we're talking about like desserts, actually, she said to me, mom, don't give me yogurt for my school lunch anymore because because it, it exploded one time and I don't buy the yeah, yogurt and make yeah. it. But she likes what she calls blue, white, gold, which is the white is my yogurt, the 10% wow. full fat plain wow. yogurt. Um, the blue is blueberries, fresh Ooh. or frozen. And yum. the gold is a little bit of maple syrup. Oh, and yum, yum. Ever, ever since she was way before I stopped eating sugar, ever since she was like two, mm -hmm. it's like blue, white, gold. <laughs> That's that is so cute. That's uh, that's pretty much what my little one eats. Not with the syrup, but he would like that. Uh, I do agave syrup or a little raw honey, but he just gobbles it right up. He loves it. Yeah. I just want to take a quick break to introduce you to my partner. 
partner for this podcast, Medicine with Heart, which is an international functional medicine clinic specializing in difficult chronic cases of hormone imbalance, Lyme disease, mold illness, and digestive dysfunction. You can sign up for a consultation with their team to see if they can help reverse your disease. Find out more about them at medicinewithheart.com. And what would happen, do you think, if you gave him the filling from the sandwich without the bread? Would he eat it? Oh, my older one, absolutely. It's interesting because just recently, the other day, I was at the store. I wasn't a hugest fan of cold cuts, like processed meat, but it was minimally and it was a pretty good brand. And he, they were giving out samples and he tried it. It was just turkey. And usually he hates turkey. He'll only eat salami, which I can't stand. Um, and I'll buy like the most organic, minimally processed one I could find. Um, but again, he's just, he wants salami. But today, the other day, he decided to open, open the mind to turkey. And he asked me if he could just have the turkey and cheese in a container yeah. for lunch. That's all he wanted. And, you know, his other normal stuff. But that, that was going to be his main lunch instead of the sandwich. He yeah. didn't want the bread. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, go for it. We'll see what happens here. But I mean, the worst that can happen is you don't eat one day, but he asked for it. I mean, it's funny because, um, you know, when my daughter was going to that, the lady who made um, lunches, Mm -hmm. um, she, the after school, they'd go there as well. And Mm -hmm. the, the lady made her own cookies or whatever. And she, my kid would have a cookie after school. And when she'd come home at like five, she'd be starving. whereas now for years now she hasn't had mid-afternoon cookies and she's Mm -hmm. never hungry Mm -hmm. so you know and I I mean I'm in a position where I can explain to her if she's willing to listen because she's a teenager now she knows it all but you know I'm in a position to explain to her listen when you eat the cookie even if it's food it's going to spike your blood sugar and then your insulin and that's going to make you the the blood sugar drop afterwards is going to make you think you're hungry if actually you remove the cookie, if you actually eat less or rather eat less of this type of food, yep. you're not going to have that feeling of hunger anymore, especially if your lunch and your breakfast is nutritious. And she gets it, right? Right. If, if a 12-year-old can get it, we can get it. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not rocket science, but it, we tend to think as adults but as parents that mm-hmm. – more food equals you fill them up, right? But actually some foods will actually make our kids feel hungrier, you know? Yeah. And if they're, if they're having breakfast, in my humble opinion, if they're having breakfast, but that breakfast is zero, has zero nutritional value, you know, uh. the, the cereals and the Pop-Tarts and even I would say bread, um, then they might as well not have breakfast, that's why I wasn't even, that's why I wasn't fighting him because you know what he wants for breakfast? He just wants butter toast. That's what he wants. Just plain toast. And he could tell it wasn't really doing anything for him. I mean, if anything, it was probably just making him more hungry before lunch. Yeah, that's my point. He would kept, he kept saying to me, like, I don't need breakfast. And I'd be like, but you're still growing. Like I, 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 my worry, cause I fast is that my kid is going to think that skipping breakfast is you know, this great idea and that he's going to go 
shout it out loud and tell everybody that he skips breakfast and then I'm going to yeah. get questioned. Um, but you know, the, the truth of the matter is, is he makes up for it in the rest of the day. He's just not hungry when he wakes up. Like it's early. Yeah. What they need, what our kids need, I think, and I'm no nutritionist, but what our kids need is nutrition. Yeah. But, and so whether it's, you know, a formal breakfast, lunch, dinner, two snacks, uh, they need the nutrition. They need real food. What they don't need is frequent times in the day when they are eating non-nutritious products. Yep, that's a big problem in my house too because the kids just want to snack all the live long day. But what I notice is if I have a, a more structured day um, and I am really cognizant of it and I just give them their meals, they don't snack as much. Like they don't, I'm like, all right, well, we'll wait. It's the weekend. You don't have to eat breakfast first thing, but I'll give them a good breakfast. My older one wants to eat eggs all of a sudden, which I'm so tickled pink about. Yeah. I'm sure. like, uh, look, he's like, can I have cheese on them? I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm trying I mean, to act all cool about it. Like, cool, cool. I'll make you some eggs, dude. You is know? there a cheaper, more nutritious food out there? I don't think so. No, because I love eggs so much. And I'm such a big egg eater that I'm starting to see he used to love them. And it's so funny when he was little, he ate everything, everything fruits, vegetables, uh, fish. I mean, the kid just loved anything and everything. And when he hit three years old, I don't know what it is about three years old, but it <laughs> seems to be the magical age where everything turns and they just, well, they decide they have their own little personalities and their own little, they can test you and they start to, and it's just taken a, a turn after that. So he's starting slowly to open his mind at seven and a half. Yeah, it, it, they do. They, they go through the stages. You know, we used to travel a lot for months, you know, with our kid she, when she was two, when she was five months on end. And she yeah. would eat anything that was there because what's the alternative? Nothing else was available. And some things, you know, we would travel to out of the way places where you don't even know what's on your plate, you know. <laughs> you Take what you can get there, right? That's it. Yeah. And and then she went through a difficult stage, and now she's not so bad. You know, it you go with the flow, but because we as parents and grandparents are um, responsible, as it were, um, for what comes into the house and what we offer them, we've got that power. I see that as personal power. It goes across the board. You know, it's not just with food. I think that we use our power and for you know, lots of different reasons. But one thing that I think we're lacking is using it for food as a whole as a society. Because look at the obesity rate in children. Right, right. And it doesn't need to be super complicated, because very often, if you're making lunch for kids or whatever, you know, it's in the morning, and you're rushed. Mm -hmm. I used to, I, I had, you know, the sort of goal of making it the night before. Forget that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I couldn't keep it up. Open a can of tuna and dump it in. Now my kid does it herself. Open a can of tuna, dump it in, a couple of hard-boiled eggs, a few veggie sticks, you know, some, maybe some mayo. That's mm -hmm. it. That's a great lunch. I wish my kid would eat tuna. I mean, if I look back, you know, if I think <laughs> about when I was a child, I was a super picky eater. Not to that this he takes it to an extreme, um, but. I remember not liking green vegetables until I was in college. I would eat a salad. That would be it. 
but everything else, all the vegetables I so much love right now and have since I was in college, I hated them as a child. I would do everything to try to, and my mom would make me, I was one of those, we had a family where you weren't allowed to get up until you finished your meal and you ate what everyone else ate and you had to finish, especially your vegetable. And I would do everything I could. I would hide it under the napkin. I would cover it in ketchup. I would cover it in salt. Yeah. I would hold, hold my nose and eat it because you can't taste it if you do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would sit there until eight o'clock at night because I didn't want it. And it was just yeah. miserable. And and all that kind of context around food kind of gives, in a way for some of us can develop this unhealthy relationship with food then that sort of carry into adulthood and into parenthood and funny enough on my podcast I've talked to several people who are 100% carnivore you know that it, mm. that they talk speak for themselves as adults but you know what's been found as well is if you're getting good quality protein even in younger years you're okay in the mm-hmm. sense that you know if you do happen to not have enough vegetables or any at all for a while if you're yeah. getting good quality protein you'll be fine yeah, yeah I, I think that I think that there is definitely something to that because uh, protein is such an important, such an important thing, and mm-hmm. um, the quality of it is everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Will, will your Would your son accept like cold chicken or shredded chicken or something yeah. like that? He yeah. loves his one of his favorite thing is like roasted chicken, just or grilled chicken. I make grilled chicken all the time. Okay. Um, he loves that. I just you know cut it up or put it next to he likes mashed potatoes that's the one thing i can give him that's kind of like you know it's not french fries but and i can control what goes in um yeah there he loves corn there are so he'll eat broccoli steamed oh, broccoli so i every single day net i'm with the broccoli guess what you're having today Bro- more broccoli he uh, eats it though yeah if this yeah, is the only great like- vegetable i can give you then you're getting broccoli Every single day. <laughs> yeah, why fight it? Why fight it? You know, why not? I mean, we we are under this impression that we need to have 600 different types of vegetables and, you know, everything different. But look, the kid is it loves this stuff and it's good for him. Just go run with it. I mean, like, I didn't like broccoli at his age. I totally refused it. I Maybe I make it a little better. than my, I don't know. I think that the secret is just a tad more salt. I don't know why my mom was so afraid of salt. She still yeah. is. It's kind of strange. Another <laughs> belief. <laughs> um, well, it's such a silly one. But I just it's put silly. a little bit more salt and some real good butter on it and a little garlic. He doesn't know. But mm-hmm. I put a tiny bit of, I uh, get really good garlic powder. And I, I prefer real garlic. But mm-hmm. uh, this is just a little sneaky peek garlic. And for some reason, I don't know if it's the Italian in him or, or whatever, he loves it. And so does my little one. They eat yeah. it up. Great. Another thing that I found, especially little ones, is if you give them the vegetable first before anything else, say, okay, well, your dinner's almost ready here. Start with this. You have to eat this first and then your dinner's coming and just kind of be casual about it. Don't be like, you have to eat this. Otherwise you can't have your dinner. You know, like, yeah, I've had a lot of success with that for a while. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, we have a rule at our house before dinner, only fruits or vegetables. I like and, that one. Preferably vegetables. So mm-hmm. if, if uh, you know, I'm a bit sort of slow making dinner and my daughter asks for a snack, it's always the same. I've repeated the same rule. Like I've got to have times. Yeah, have some cucumber, have a carrot, have, you know. 
So not only is she getting the vegetables, but she's, but the, the, the thing is that the rule doesn't change. It's a reasonable rule and it doesn't change. So, so the child becomes used to it. And the same goes the other way around. We sort of have unwritten rules um, about dessert. It's like you can't have a meal without dessert. And that becomes a rule. But that can be changed as well, you know, like we were talking about before. And I, I started by delaying the dessert as well. So instead mm -hmm. of right after the meal, I would say, no, we're just going to sit and have a chat for yeah. five minutes. Yeah, you know, and and you, know, that you put your knife and fork together on your plate because that's how yeah. I was brought up, you know. Yeah, and then Proper. we're just gonna sit and chat yeah. instead of get up and rush around right after a meal. Yeah. Then it sort of got longer. The time got longer between the end of the meal and the dessert, and at some point, she half the time she just forgets about the dessert. Well, that's the thing is that it's if you keep doing the same behavior over and over again, it's expected you know, but like you said, if you just make a little change, okay, we're going to have a talk. Let's, let's talk what, you know, like you can make a game, play a game, do something, engage with your child. That's what they really want. Um, and really at the end of the day, sometimes they will forget or make it a special, like, okay, on Saturday afternoon, I'm, I'm like, all oh, because my kids are little. I'm like, if you're going to eat a dessert, I'd rather you do it in the middle of the day, like after lunch then after dinner because it's going to give you like a sugar rush after dinner right. and they go to bed early. So um, yeah, like weekend, Saturday afternoon, ice cream date, or let's go pick out, let's go uh, make some cookies together, which is, I love that because that is something that we can, they really enjoy doing with me. I love to bake, um, you know, and then I can show them different ways to uh, control the amount of sugar you're putting in, in tasty ways because I mean, I've made great cookies that are way healthier. I have a sister with celiac disease, so I've had to find a lot of different ways to substitute, um, you know, regular flour and substitute. For me, I, for a while, I had gestational diabetes when I was pregnant, so I had to figure out ways to substitute sugar. Not that I'm, I'm not doing it with fake sugar, but um, yeah, you know, at least reduce it and do yeah. something natural, not processed, inside of yeah. your cookie or whatever you're baking yeah great and then you're spending time together with them which is really all they want and you know? I and, and I find when I bake with my kids like I know not everyone has lots of time to bake with kids and I'm fortunate to do so but I I definitely feel like at the end of it they're not as interested in the treat anymore but the treat, the treat is the time with you is the attention well that's with it you. Because I feel like if they weren't sitting there for whatever, 45 minutes baking with me and being engaged, then um, they would eat like probably five cookies instead of coming just to sample one at the end and being completely satisfied with that. Totally. Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. I just wanted to address the question also of breakfast, because whatever time you know, we call breakfast as intermittent fasters. We break our fast and it doesn't have to be in the morning as adults. But usually kids will have breakfast in the morning before they go off to school. At least in my house, that's how it is. And um, my child usually eats one if and usually two eggs, either um, cooked to order, lucky that's thing, great. or hard boiled. Yeah. And with some kind of um, either a piece of, toast or even sometimes not um 
and maybe some kind of protein, usually meat in our house, and a, a little glass of milk. And she goes off to school and she tells me now, because she's 14 now, she says, Mom, my concentration is completely different when I start my day off with that type of breakfast than the the few days when she says oh, I think I'll just have cereal this morning I don't stop her from doing it but that allows her to see yeah um, my concentration is not as good oh, when she's... I start my day with an insulin spike basically that is really impressive for a 14 year old to be able to to realize something like that that's incredible Well, she's had half her life, and again, I don't take the credit for this at all, but the fact is half of her life from seven to now to 14, she has in front of her the example of a sugar-free person Uh Uh in myself who either doesn't start early in the morning with anything, eating anything, Uh or does but with this kind of a Uh food and who keeps talking, going on and on and on about it. So she's heard it enough times. To realize, yeah, actually, what my mom says is not like a point of view. It's actually human biology. Yeah. Um, You know, it's, it's awesome. And I, I give you all the credit in the world. I'm working towards my kids, you know, a realistic reduction in their sugar. Uh, But just leading by example, like you said, is so profound you know, and it could take a really long time. I've been fasting and I've changed my health, you know, my eating habits and everything like that over the course of the past two and a half years. That's not that big of a, you know, a chunk of time when you're really thinking about time. So the fact that my kids now, like I hated avocado before I started fasting. Now avocado is like the one thing I crave besides eggs. I crave it all the time. Well, guess what my kids start asking me for now? Yeah. They yeah. want avocado. What? <laughs> Where did that come from? Well, it came from you. Cool. Cool. Yep. I'll make some, um, I'll smash some up here for you. We'll, we'll have some. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's, it's as easy. We don't think it's as easy, but in my experience, it's as easy to, to um, like create a habit of dessert after dinner and uh-huh. here's some ice cream to make you feel better or here's you know cookies because you deserve whatever it's as easy to create that habit as it is to create the habit of a nutritious breakfast and enjoying your food and real food and you know it these Mm -hmm. habits they're all equal yeah it's just that we feel it's for some reason well not for some reason i know the reason we grew up in this processed foods environment and we think it's the only option Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up in an Italian house where it was constant food, constant feeding. If you weren't eating, you were too skinny. My mother-in-law, even when I was at my highest weight, would tell me I was too skinny. Two, almost 200 pounds on a 5'3 frame. I was too skinny. You're not eating enough. Now she thinks there's something definitely wrong with me. She has no idea I fast. There's no way she would, she would lose her mind. Fine. That's what I come back to. That's okay. She doesn't need to know. Exactly what we were talking about at the beginning, where you know we're not responsible for changing people's minds. Definitely, you know, if they want to have a real dialogue with us, their mind already needs to have changed. Yeah, well, she's you know seventy some years old, and she's from Italy, where in her culture, 
food equals love and food, especially sugary foods. And she loves to eat sugary foods. And she thinks that when she gives them to you, that's her form of love. And I'll accept them. I smile. I say, thank you. Do I eat them? Nah. Yeah. No. I mean, it's except, you know, that gesture of love is the thing that we need to recognize. She's not doing it to make you feel bad. And that's that's why I tell her not to stop. Like I, I, I kind of said, I almost said to my husband one day, like, can you tell her to stop making all this stuff? And I, I might have said something like that because I, I felt bad for wasting food because I hate wasted food. But also, and then he goes to me, she just really, it brings her a lot of joy. And I, I, I said, okay, you know, yeah. just let her have whatever the kids. And what really what she was making was the kids liked it and it was homemade and it was actually pretty low in sugar for a baked item. So I was like, the kids can eat it. Yeah, yeah, it's pick your battles, really. Yeah. And Suzanne, you're saying, I find breakfast so tricky. My kids don't love eggs. I would love to start them with savory breakfast, but it's hard. Yes. I have the same yeah. problem, Suzanne. Yeah. It's like, what, is, what else is there? And it's funny because we tend to think that breakfast has to be within this paradigm of, uh, you know, either cereal, toast, eggs. But you know what? Sometimes when I first started out my sugar-free life, I would eat leftovers for breakfast so I would eat dinner for breakfast and I would feel so weird doing it it's like but this isn't breakfast food and I thought wait a minute who wrote the rule book about what breakfast should be you know yeah so my older one really like I I go back to the salami and it's not my favorite example of a good protein but he asked me one morning if he could have salami for breakfast this was a long time ago and at first I'm like, no, like you can't eat that for breakfast. And then my husband yeah. goes, how is that any worse than what he was eating before? I'm like, yeah. hey, who right. wrote, like, why not? If you go to Europe, uh, you know, you get served a lot of people, you know, croissants are everywhere, but also there's a bunch of like meat and proteins. Like I was just in oh, St. Yeah. Martin, which is a French, you know, a French territory. And they had like just you know, all kinds of proteins, cheeses, eggs, meats. I mean, it was beautiful. And my husband was loving it because, you know, it's his, he loves European breakfast. But yes, it, I think it could start as simple as just like, here, kid, like, try this for breakfast. It's funny. It's different. Like, why not? Why not? Yeah. I mean, I've traveled around the world and in Eastern Europe, they had the meats and the cheeses and in Mediterranean countries, they had salads and Uh the cream cheese and all the cheeses and stuff like that. And in Mexico, we lived there for the equivalent of a year and they had like bits, like steaks and stuff. So it's like, well, who made the rules up and who's like North America and Western Europe, we tend to think that breakfast food as I said, cereal, toast, waffles, pancakes. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, but that is like the worst way to start your day. I think maybe just a little bit of like my kids, at least my older one, is pretty into like different cultures and stuff. Like, I, maybe just doing a little bit of like digging, like this is how other cultures eat breakfast. Look what they're eating in this country or this country. I did start him like he's. He loved eggs as a child, like a little child up until he was three. And then he hated them. And just recently he started to like them again. I put it, yes, I put it in a sandwich with some cheese, but did I get him to eat the protein? Yes. I felt successful. Maybe one day he'll just want it on one single piece of toast or maybe no toast at all. And then we've had progress. So I'd say start slow, 
Um, and if it's not eggs, then try something else. Try a different you know, protein. You know what my favorite breakfast is, is my yogurt that I make, my Vili yogurt, which is a mesophilic culture that ferments on, on the countertop at room temperature mm -hmm. and doesn't need a yogurt maker. So 24 hours, it takes 10 seconds to put some 10% organic cream in my in my little jar with the starter, like the, the yogurt. starter, yeah, yeah, and then it ferments for mm -hmm. 24 hours, and the mm -hmm. next morning I have new yogurt, you know, and that's a good source of protein, a good source of fat. I put in some ground flax and chia seeds, about a tablespoon, which is the type of fiber that my body responds to, and maybe some nut butter or some nuts. Mm -hmm and maybe a few blueberries or raspberries mm -hmm. or green apple chopped up or something like that. Yeah. And that is like my favorite, my favorite breakfast, you know, uh, yeah. other than smoked salmon, which oh. you, know, you can do. You can, <laughs> now you're speaking you know, you my language. with me if you give me smoked salmon. salmon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a huge fan. I don't yeah. eat breakfast, but when I do eat, uh, you know, I, I like protein loaded things. So I, I feel better, um, you know, overall, and I have more energy. And when I totally can delay the sugar at all, at all costs throughout my week, that's just I'm a, a moderator, not an abstainer. You know, I, I feel so much better. I feel like uh, fasting is easier. I'm not bloated. I don't like, I mean, if I, if I stick to that, which I normally can now, it, and I that's pretty much how I've rolled for the past two years. Who am I kidding? Um, but, you know, I've had my downfalls. Let's be honest. There was a, a, a pandemic. Or there still is one. But, you know, it's like uh, we've been all under quite a bit of stress and kind of in survival mode here and there. So we, I think a big thing to think and remind ourselves of is that we need to be better and kinder to ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. I think just to finish off today, I think we need to redefine what normal is and what crazy is, <laughs> you know, and I often make the analogy of Alice in Wonderland who falls down the rabbit hole into Wonderland where she thinks they're crazy, but they think she's crazy and she thinks You're she's mad. crazy, yes. you know. We turned it things upside down. Who's to say that it's not crazy to start your day off with highly, highly processed products full of sugar? Like, why is that not crazy? Why? That's do we what I ask. Right? And why so am I crazy for fasting? But, you know, the person down the street is not crazy for using Nutrisystem. Right. For example. Right, okay. or eating every two hours as if right. we were newborns. Like you said, what's crazy, what's not? Let's, right. let's really think we, about this. If we take back our power to rewrite the dictionary, rewrite the definitions of crazy and normal, then I think that we can all get together as crazy people. <laughs> and we can be normally crazy together. I'm working on it. That's what we're trying to create here. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's only once we've stepped out of that paradigm and, and questioned the whole concept of normal, you know, normal eating or normal frequency of eating, mm -hmm. then, then we can start having a real conversation about this subject like we have today. 100%. I'm glad we had this talk. It was very eye-opening and I learned a lot. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Michelle, so Thank much. Thank you. Have a great day, Netta, and happy weekend. You too. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Oh, what a great chat with my friend Michelle. And if you want to have some more inspiration about giving your kids real whole foods and reducing sugar as much or as little as you feel that you need to as a parent, then head on over to my website aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab What to Eat. You'll find three videos there, one about food that doesn't contain added sugars, another one about how to find real whole foods at the grocery store, and the third video is about what's the deal with fermented foods. Because let's not forget about looking after our kids' gut health. That's aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab What to Eat. You can also download my simple guide to getting more energy by clicking on the tab Simple Guide. And if you're an intermittent faster, then I have five tips for you to help get rid of cravings that may be getting in the way of the easy and natural intermittent fasting lifestyle that you're looking for. You'll find those at aftersugarclub.com. And for a deeper dive into your relationship with sugar and how you can work towards freeing yourself from the hold that sugar has on you so that you can get to that place of joyful freedom from sugar that I've been living for almost seven years and experience what it feels like not to want, need or even miss sugar anymore, then the After Sugar Club is for you. Check it out at aftersugarclub.com And if this podcast is inspiring you to take one more step towards your life after sugar, then could I ask you to please scroll down and leave the podcast a lovely five-star rating and leave a short review to let me know how this podcast is inspiring you to break free from sugar your way and find the real sweetness in life. And if this is your first time here, don't forget to subscribe to the Life After Sugar podcast so that it appears magically in your podcast player every Sunday. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.